Alright, tonight we are uh, going to continue our study in the book of Genesis. We're still in chapter 1. We're still going to be hanging around those first couple of verses today. Uh, but I'll ask you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 is what we'll be reading this, this evening. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. As we go to the Lord in prayer, uh, praying for his blessings upon what we're about to study, I'm going to ask for the bar to do this in prayer, please. We have, uh, of course, the, the first man and woman here in the creation account. We have the first sin. We have, 
you know, all those different things. Uh, first, first everything, basically, uh, here in the, in the first chapter of Genesis. Uh, so there's many beginnings that we could study, and of course those things are going to tie later into Scripture as well. Uh, the doctrine of sin that, that happens here, uh, you know, well, maybe not happen in the first chapter, but you know what I mean, the first uh, three chapters at least, uh, that doctrine of sin is something that's, uh, you know, going back to over and over and over again in the Scripture. It all goes back to that original sin. And so, you know, uh, as you study it from the aspect of literature, there are many interesting things that you can find from it. A, uh, a scientist can take these same verses and put a whole other spin uh, on how they all work. They can, you know, take what they know about science, what they know about geolog- uh, geology and, and uh, all those different things. Uh, they can take all of that and, uh, and, you know, put a whole other spin, like I said, and, into the book of Genesis. And, you know, of course, there's all kinds of ways that, that we can study it. Uh, but what we're doing tonight is we're going to just study it basically uh, just, just straight from God's Word. Now, before we get there, I think we need to do something tonight. And uh, the first thing I want to do is put some of these theories that are out there uh, to rest in, in our minds, okay? Now, over the years, Christians have developed many theories concerning God's creation. Some of them are okay. You know, some of them are, are pretty good. They're good to consider, good to think about. Uh, there are possibilities, things that happen. Some of them are pretty far out there, you know, and, and you'll see some of those tonight. Uh, so, but anyway, you know, there's many, many theories that Christians have developed about God's creation. One of which is uh, called young earth creationism. Um, this is just a theory of creation here. Young earth creationism. This is a religious belief held by some Christians and Jews that the earth is relatively young. That's about 5,000 to 10,000 years old. Uh, those who believe this theory take a literal view of Genesis chapter 1 and hold that God created the universe in six 24-hour days. Does that all sound good to you? Sounds good to me, doesn't it? Uh, you know, like I said, I mean, they, they take it literally. And I think, you know, when we read God's Word, I think we should take it at its word, take it for exactly what it says. Now, I don't know enough about this young earth creationism. This statement right here looks good to me. There may be some other things involved in that theory that you know may not I may not agree with, uh, but definitely at least that basic view that they hold there. I say that's a that's a great way to look at it. Uh, that it happened exactly like God's word said that it happened. There's also something called the old earth creationism. Uh, many other creation theories fall under this umbrella uh, of old earth creationism. And uh, we're not going to look at too many of these uh, tonight, but there are several uh, theories that fall under that. This is a view, this, this old earth creationism, is a view that's more compatible with modern physics and chemistry and geology uh, and the age of the earth that, that science kind of puts forth. Of course, we know that most science uh, will tell you that the earth is how many years old? Billions. Billions, Billions of years old, okay? So an older creationism uh, kind of helps fit into their idea or their opinion on how old the earth is. Uh, how many of you ever heard of the gap theory? Anybody ever heard of the gap theory? Right. How many of you believe the gap theory? Anybody? Oh, I thought everybody's going to raise their hand on that. All right, the gap theory, uh, also called gap creationism, uh, this is a form of old earth creationism that falls under that umbrella, like I was talking about before. This theory teaches that the earth was created in six literal days, which, of course, we believe, 
But if there was a gap between Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, what this allows for is, uh, you know, where science says that the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old, uh, what it, you know, where they take it is, is they say, all right, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, verse 1, all right, and then it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was the face of the deep, all the rest of that stuff. But what they say is, is that there is a gap. There is a long period of time that took place between uh, when God created the heaven and the earth and when, out, when the earth was without form and void. Uh, their, their thought on this is that uh, something must have happened to uh, make the earth that was created without form and void. Something must have made it uh, chaotic. And so, you know, they put this entire theory together. Uh, that's where they fit dinosaurs into the picture. That's where they fit, uh, you know, Lucifer falling from heaven. Uh, a lot of different things are fit into that uh, gap creationism. But the major thing that fits in there is the idea that the earth is billions and billions of years old. Uh, gap creationism became popular during the turn of the 19th century uh, when the science of geology determined that Earth was much older than a literal interpretation of Genesis would allow. So uh, understand what I'm saying here. Uh, around the turn, the, the end of the 18th century, the, the beginning of the uh, 19th century is when uh, this new science came out, this, this new thing. It was called geology. And, uh, and of course, these geologists started determining uh, the earth must be years and years older than what Genesis says that it is. All right, so that creates a problem, all right? If science says that the earth is billions of years old, then somehow that's got to fit into Scripture because Scripture can't be wrong, right? And so they put a gap there, and, and that's kind of how they uh, justify all that. The gap theory allowed Christian geologists to reconcile their faith in the biblical account of creation with the new authority of science. And understand what I'm saying there, the new authority of science. And so basically uh, they were taking what science said and uh, the only way that they could continue believing what, what God's Word said was if they could somehow reconcile it all together, somehow fit uh, what science says into what God's Word says. And, and that's, what, uh, that's where the gap theory came from. That's what it's all about. This theory is still widely accepted among Christians today. And uh, if you believe the gap theory... That's fine uh, with me. You know, don't throw anything at me. But uh, you know, I, I'm just I'm just telling you what the gap theory is about and, and why it was made. There's also something called day-age creation. Uh, this is a, a theory that holds that the six days of creation were not ordinary 24-hour periods, but actually much longer periods of time, extended thousands, even millions of years. Uh, this theory allows Genesis to agree with the scientific age of the Earth as well. And so instead of putting a gap there, well, what they say is, is that um, over here, uh, let's see, in verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw there was light, and it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right? So that first day, according to this, day-age creationism, um, it means that that, 20, that was not a 24-hour day, but this first day could have been millions of years long, all right? And so it took millions of years for, for this to happen. And, uh, and then once that took place, then another day, age, started. And so this another age of maybe a million years took place and so on and so forth. So, you know, logically then, uh, you know, the seven days equaled up to, well, how old they say the earth is. 
Uh, that's, I have a problem with that myself. Um, one of my major problems with that is it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, I'm pretty sure that every day, as long as I've been on the earth, every day has a day and a night, and then that day's over, right? And another one starts. And that's what it says here. The evening and morning were the first day. The evening and morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third day, and so on and so forth. And so, to me, it's very plain to see that it's talking about the time that it takes the, uh, the earth to rotate around the sun uh, is one day. And so we're still talking about a 24-hour period instead of millions and millions of years, all right? So I think we can go ahead and, uh, you know, flunk this, uh, this theory. There's also something called progressive creationism. Uh, this is another branch of old earth creationism, which has it as its core belief that God gradually created new forms of life. And so this helps to account for science's announcement uh, that some species existed before others. And so instead of God creating everything at the same time, uh, he created some here, and then later on he created some, and so on and so forth. All right, any thoughts or comments, anything about any of that? That's all that I have for this. The main thing that they do is because they don't take into consideration the flood and what the flood did right. to the earth itself and how it shifted the land and the rocks and all that, mm-hmm. that's why, where they came up with all these years because they see different layers. Layers, right. right. And they tried to come up with something to do it, and they're stupid enough not to just look at God's Word, and they try to build this in, and it doesn't work. Right. It won't ever work. Mm-hmm. So they've got trees growing through different the, the layers, yeah. layers. Yeah, if you take uh, a bunch of dirt and pour a whole bunch of water on it, the, the dirt's going to float up, and then it's going to fall back into layers, you know, according to... To whatever, and so that's you know kind of a, a good explanation for what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, uh, that's how they plan that they tell the age of trees and stuff on the rain zone. Yeah. But also when we was out in Arizona, the Grand Canyon. Yeah. We we had people trying to convince us that each layer you seen there represented so many thousand years. Right. But I thank God probably created that. Well, we told them that's what we believe. Mm-hmm. That God created that canyon, put it there. Right.
probably some church members as well, uh, that if, if you told them that the gap theory is not true, man, they'd punch you right in the eyeball. I'm not kidding. They get mad about that kind of stuff, you know, because, you know, they've, all, they've, they've, they've been told it's right, and so they believe it's right, and, uh, and so they're basing their beliefs. They, they made a doctrine out of a theory, and, uh, and that's wrong. We should, never take, we should always take a theory as just something to, to think on, something, you know, as food for thought, never as something that we base our beliefs on. Now, the problem that's found with most of these theories that I've listed is that they all support the idea that the scriptural account of creation cannot be taken at its word, but must somehow match the findings of science. Which, by the way, the findings of science that, that we have now, that we hold to as being so dear and so true, uh, those, those findings of science weren't found until thousands of years later, after all this, you know. And so it, it's, those are relatively new ideas of things that happen. Uh, you know, and so that, that's a problem for me. Uh, when you say that, that I can't just read what the Scripture says and just take it for what it says, you know, uh, that, that's a problem. Right. Science is great. I think there's a lot that we can learn from science. I think God has given people uh, the education and the ability to learn, and uh, science has done some great things. For, for us, you know, a sense of great things, of course, for technology. Uh, and so I'm not like, like an enemy of science or anything. And I, I think I said that uh, maybe the other day as well, but I, I'm definitely not. It may sound like I'm coming down hard on science itself, but I'm not. Uh, science has also come up with a lot of the medicines that we take, right? And so I, I take a medicine every single day that helps me, uh, you know, stay normal, right? <laughs> and uh, so I like, I like science to a certain degree. You know, science is good. And so, uh, I meant my heart normal. I didn't mean <laughs> my heart normal. All right, but, uh, but you know, science, science is good in some things. Uh, but the only source, the only source of absolute truth on this earth is God's Word. Amen. Amen. The only source. I want you to also keep in mind that science books will change almost year to year, right? Just about and so something they used to say, this is how it is. It can't be any other way. Science has proven that this is right. Well, two years later, they say, well, maybe we were wrong. It's this way. But this is how it is, right? And so science will continue to change, but it seems to me that God's Word always stays the same. It's the only source of absolute truth that we have. If the Bible naturally points towards a creation that's billions of years old, then that's fine with me. But twisting the revelation that God has given so that it supports the wisdom of man is wrong. I want somebody, uh, I purposely did this. Somebody turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, and whoever gets there first, just read it out loud. Loudly. First Corinthians one twenty five. All right. It says the foolishness of God is wiser than men or than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. So when I take this when I take creation into account, when I take God's word and what it says about how things happen to account, it tells me that God's wisdom, even even what might be considered as foolishness of God, 
is still smarter than the wisdom of men. It makes a lot more sense for me for, to believe what the Bible says then uh, rather than just to take what somebody says you know, at face value. For me, if the Bible naturally points towards an earth that's closer to 6,000 years old, but science says that it's billions of years old, then to me, science needs to try again. Do you agree with that? You see, people are using the wrong measuring stick. God's Word doesn't have to measure up to science. God's Word is so much older than science. It's, it's, it's been here you know, since God gave it, and the Bible tells me that it's going to last forever. It's not going to, it's not going to pass away. And so I don't need God's Word. I don't need to take science and try to measure God's Word up to science uh, rather, science needs to measure up to God's Word. And so that's where, uh, that's where my line draws with science. As long as science fits into what God's Word says, hey, I'm all for it. Let's go with it, all right? Let's study it. Let's look at what it has to say. Let's consider what's said there. But the moment it starts saying, well, the Bible is not actually correct on this, you know, then that's where, uh, that's where my line draws, and, and uh, you know, I just start throwing it out. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's what, uh, that, that's what all Christians need to do. Any believer in God needs to take God's Word as being the measure stick for everything, the measure stick for our life, the measure stick for what we're going to accept as truth. And, uh, and that's especially uh, so when we study the creation. Okay? Any word on that? Nobody thinks I'm crazy yet, right? All right. Well, good. Hope we're all feeling the same way. So, having said all that, let's put these theories to rest and let's just study God's Word and what it says. Now, the first thing that we find here, we've already looked kind of at uh, chapter or at verse 1 last week, so I want us to, to look at verse 2 for a little while. It says, The earth was without form and void. All right, let's, let's think about that for a second. Let's take a closer look at these two words, form and void. Without form... Uh, comes from the Hebrew word tohu. It means formless. Uh, it means wasteland or a confusion or confusion. So it says that the earth was without form, meaning that uh, it, it it had really, I guess, no distinct shape or, or something like that. Not to say that it was round, but uh, but just that on the earth it, it seemed as though it was chaotic. It was a wasteland. It was empty. It, was, it had nothing on it. All right. It also says that it was void, which comes from a similar word called. Uh, bohu, the Hebrew word bohu, it means that it was with, without form and that it was void. The word void means empty. All right? If my head is void, then my head is empty. Right? And uh, so that's what the earth was. It was a wasteland. Uh, there was nothing on it. It was... Uh, man could not live on earth at this stage. Okay? It, it was without form and it was empty. There was nothing on it. All right? So in other words... But we could say that the earth was unformed and it was unfilled in its beginning stages. That leads us to another word of interest, which is the word create, found up in verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now the word create can mean to make something from nothing. Okay, And that's absolutely what God did. Uh, before God spoke or, or created the heavens of the earth, uh, it wasn't there. It did not exist. And so he created that. Uh, but the word create here also has uh, another meaning. Uh, it means to form or to shape or, of course, to create. So God's work of creation seems in part 
to be the act of forming and filling the earth. So if in the beginning the earth was without form and void, then what God did from there on is that he began to form the earth to give shape and, 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 and all those things to it, and he began to fill the earth. And, and that's what we find here in this chapter. The Lord did not choose to reveal why the earth was in that state at the beginning, uh, but he did share with us what he did with it from there. Now, the six states of creation are an account of how God formed and filled the earth. Um, he took three days to form it, okay? Now, let's look at that. It says in, uh, in the first day that God created light. We read those verses just here a few minutes ago. That's uh, verses 3 through 5. All right, on the second day, uh, we find that he uh, made the firmament and the sky and, of course, water. Now, it says uh, in verse 6, it says that God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. It's apparent that evidently the water uh, was already existing in this uh, chaotic form of, of the earth. But it says, Let the waters uh, be divided, or excuse me, and let, let, it, let it divide the waters from the waters. Excuse me, verse 7. And God made the firmament, which is, what is the firmament? Atmosphere. Atmosphere, okay. God made the, uh, the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. All right, so on day two, he, uh, he separates the, uh, the, the water from the atmosphere. Now, on day three, he makes dry land. And, uh, and we find in verse 9 it says, And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. We also find that he, uh, down in verse 12, it says, The earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, so he makes, on the third day, makes dry land and vegetation. So we find that on the first three days, what God is doing is he's forming the earth, okay? He's, he's separate, separating everything out. He's putting everything exactly how it needs to be. And then on the fourth through the sixth day, he begins to fill it. Now, on day four, we won't continue reading, but on day four, he gives us the solar systems. Uh, it talks about uh, the light, the sun, the moon, the stars, all those types of things. On day five, he gives us the fish and the fowl. Yes, sir? But yeah, fish and fowl, right, exactly. I've always wondered what the relation is between fish and birds. Anybody got an answer for that? One's in the sky and one's in the water. Okay. But they didn't put anything on the land. It's a different motivation than Right. That's true. Also on Exactly. Right. And light, the, the day one, that light also is probably all of our light waves, like um, uh, ultraviolet and all those different waves and sounds. Mm -hmm. Because who heard him talk until then? Right. Sound waves. Who heard the sound? Right. Okay. Good, good point. Yes, uh, he created the solar systems, and, and yeah, pay attention to that. Like Miss Nancy said, uh, the, the sun, the moon, all that was created after life, which was on day one. And after the plants, and the plants see the sun yes. grow, and the plants were created before the sun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then on day six, he created all other life forms, which of course live on land, includes all animals, 
uh, all land creatures, and it includes us as well. We were also created uh, last of all on day six. All right, so you see what I'm saying there? That in, in the act of creation, uh, he was forming and he was filling the earth. And, and that's what we find here in these verses. Now, this sentence reveals two things um, when it says, excuse me, uh, over in verse 2, I flipped a page here. When verse 2, and it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Um, as, we, as we talk about, you know what, I'm actually supposed to be on another. Hold on just a second. Never mind. All right, this is actually supposed to be something else. I'm looking at the end of verse 2 uh, where it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, we, we talked about it being without form and void. Now we're looking at the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. Uh, this sense revealed two things, like I said before. First of all, it, it revealed the involvement of all three persons of the Trinity. Now the Bible tells us as we, you know, of course, uh, we have the entire Bible to look at. So later on in the New Testament, uh, in several places it's revealed that Christ was actually uh, the one doing the work of creation. He was the one speaking things into existence. He was actually the creator and is the sustainer of heaven and earth and, and the universe. Uh, and so what we find is, is that God, of course, was the designer. He's the one that planned all this, uh, thought all this up. Jesus was the one who physically created everything. Uh, but then we also see the involvement of the Spirit here uh, in verse 2 as well. It says, The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, this also shows us the special parental care of God over his creation. Where it says, uh, there in verse 2, where it says that he moved upon the face of the waters, the word move there uh, can also mean that he brooded over them. Uh, it kind of, it, 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 it paints a picture of motherhood. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard of uh, you know, mother birds, how you know, if a storm comes, whatever, they'll, they'll kind of spread their wings over and gather their, uh, you know, their hens. There's a protection, you know, uh, you know hovers over them kind of uh, for, for, for protection. Excuse me. Uh, that's what it's saying that God was doing uh, as, he, as he moved upon the face of the waters, that he was brooding over it. He was showing parental care over, uh, over the, the waters or over the creation. All right? Any comments on that at all? Anybody? All right. Now, just as all three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just as all three are intimately involved in the process of redemption, they were equally as, as involved in the work of creation as well. And so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all together as one uh, created the heavens and the earth. And uh, we also find that later on, after sin came and, uh, and you know, everything had to be redeemed, uh, including us, including our, our personal salvation, uh, that they were, they're all three involved in the work of redemption as well, uh, redeeming what they created. And uh, so that's, that's pretty special to look at as well. All right. Now, there are many ways that God could have chosen to create the universe. Will you agree with that? Many ways he could have chosen to do that. He could have chosen. If God wanted to, he could have chosen uh, for those 24, you know, instead of doing it in 24-hour periods, he could have chosen for it to be millions and millions of years. He could have chosen any, any form or any action of, of creation. He could have done all of that. Uh, but we find that he only chose one. 
He could have chosen to take his time. He could have chosen to spread over, over billions of years. He can do anything that he wants. But he chose instead to use the power and the authority of his word to create the cosmos in six days. Every single time it says, and God said, that the word of his mouth, his authority, his word, is what uh, created everything, brought everything into existence. Now, what it all comes down to is that it takes faith to believe this. It takes faith to believe that God spoke everything to existence. Matter of fact, like I put here, it takes the faith of a child. Uh, you know, our children, several of us have smaller children here, and uh, I, I wouldn't want to ask anybody to you know, raise their hands or talk about that, because I know that any child, when you, if you tell them that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if you tell them that God created everything just because he is so powerful, because he is so majestic, and, and he spoke everything into existence. He had so much power that all he had to do was say, let there be something, and, and it was. It just was. They take that. Amen. They believe it, right? There, there's no, they don't have to challenge that. There, there's nothing to challenge. There, there, there's no uh, disputing you know, any of those things. They just simply take it by faith that God did that. It's not until they get a little bit older and, uh, and we start corrupting them or, or uh, you know, teachers or whatever start putting questions into their minds that they start trying to, to rationalize everything and make everything have to make sense. You know? And uh, they just take it by faith. And, and there are some things, understand, I have nothing wrong with evidence. I think evidence is, is necessary. Uh, in many senses, there, I, have, I have no problem with any of that, but there are some things, when it comes to God, there are some things that we just have to believe in. We can't always explain it. We can't always understand everything. We have to believe. And so, like I said, we don't have to understand it. It doesn't have to make sense to, it, uh, sense to us. We just have to believe it. He's God, and He did just as He's revealed in His Word. Here's the final thought. Okay, something to close in on. If you had a God, you had a God that you could that you could comprehend and give a rational explanation for everything He does. How great would your God be? If you had a God that you could understand everything about, you could explain away everything He did. How great would your God be? See, my God's ways are higher than mine. And His thoughts are greater than mine. Regardless of all the possibilities and what-ifs about Genesis 1, the most important message that we can receive through this entire thing, the most important message is, is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's all I have for tonight. Anybody with discussion, questions, comments, anything? I guess to sum everything up that, I'm, that I was trying to get to tonight uh, is that we need to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, any other explanation that's cool to look at? But that's what God revealed to us, is that He is the one who created. By the fact that He created means that He is in ownership of the earth. The fact that He created us took a special time to, uh, to take his own hands, form us from the dust of the ground, means that he has a special ownership over us as well. 
that we have a responsibility to do all we can to give Him the honor and the glory and all the worship and praise and service that we possibly can give. All right? Now, seriously, anything before we dismiss? We provided everything we needed before He made it. Right. And He still provides everything we need before we need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you ask Him any prayers, you can give Him the Mm-hmm. Anybody else? All right. Next week, uh, we'll start getting into the, the actual days of creation. And I don't know how long you know, it'll take us to get through there. Um, but anyway, we're going to go ahead and start right in on day one and uh, see how far we get next week with that. Uh, so if you want to, you can be looking over or thinking about uh, the days of creation, and we'll talk about that. Uh, bring some discussion for next week you know, as well. But, you know, if you have any thoughts on on uh, the days of creation, any questions or anything like that, you know, be sure to bring those. And if I can't answer them, then maybe somebody can, right? And uh, I definitely don't know everything, uh, especially, you know, when it comes to all this. But I'll try to give you the, the most biblical answers that I can, and, you know, maybe there's somebody that can help out with any questions you might have. Let's go ahead and dismiss tonight. Thank you for your attention. And uh, thank you for the discussion and the input that was given tonight as well. Let's all stand. As we dismiss a prayer, uh, keeping all these things in mind, uh, remember those prayer requests that were mentioned tonight. There are several of those that uh, are pretty pretty critical that we need to, to really be keeping in mind, especially uh, this little girl with uh, leukemia. She's going to be going through treatments uh, here over the next little while, so uh, please be in prayer for her, and there's others that we need to continue in prayer as well. As we go to the Lord in prayer, I thank you, Kim, for everything done tonight. Brother Randall, if you Dear Lord, we thank you for your